I mean, ultimately, I just, I just love cooking. You know, it's like people ask me what I do in my days off. I cook. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's pretty much my only hobby. You know, you know. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The connection between grower and chef has in some ways become closer than ever. From the 100-mile movement to slow food, kitchen gardens and farms creating their own accommodation and top-class restaurants. What's it like for a chef working on the farm and delivering exceptional dining experiences, accessing produce literally on the doorstep? Ali Waddle is the head chef of Frieda's Field in Byron Bay. Ali, how are you? Very good, thanks, Huck. Thanks for having me, me, me on Deep in the Weeds. Uh, it's great to get you on the show. You've got a fascinating job and um, access to extraordinary produce. What's it like uh, working on a farm uh, and a kitchen restaurant? It's an absolute privilege, Huck. It really is. Um, we have a, a, a small team that operates at Frieda's Field, and it's a beautiful part of the Northern Rivers that we're in. We're located in Nashua, about five minutes from Bangalore. Um, we have 90 Angus, Angus Wangu, uh, Wagyu crossbreed cattle uh, that the owners look after, and we have a huge uh, kitchen garden project that uh, Edward and Jeannie, the owners, have been working on for a period of time. Um, so we're sourcing directly from the farm and also from our local producers in the Byron Shire region. Um, the, the connection that, that we have is just the, 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 that makes the complete experience uh, for us as cooks and, and, and chefs to be able to operate this way and uh, to offer that for, to our clientele coming in the door for the lunch at the weekend or for their event. It's, uh, it's very special. It's a pretty unique um, job compared to most chefs uh, around the globe. Um, what sort of impact does that ha- that direct sort of access have on your creativity? It, it's everything, you know. Um, you know, when, when we go to write a menu, we change the menu twice seasonally. Um, uh, so each, uh, each, each season, it gives us the opportunity to really dig, dig deep into the produce that's available for us. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely walking around the farm with a, with a pen, pen and paper uh, and the same at the farmer's market, seeing what ingredients is coming up and just capturing it in that moment when it's at, at its best. You know, we can pick it, uh, you know, any herbs that we're going to be using, any fresh ingredients is picked on the morning of service. Uh, and then anything we need to prepare is literally harvested the day before uh, it's going to be prepared. Uh, so we're really we're really fortunate in, in in that sense, you know. And and working very closely with Jeannie on the farm, uh, we can be very uh, um, uh, proactive um, about uh, getting getting that uh, ingredients. And you know we're, we're, we don't try and mess around with it too much. My, my cuisine over the years that I've been cooking has definitely got simpler uh, and we've definitely kind of pulled back uh, on the frills and what we want to offer here is um, you know an exceptional dining experience but we're letting the produce do the talking um, we uh, the, the the beef that uh, is being re- re- reared is fantastic quality as well uh, so we're very very fortunate we can plan ahead you know we've taken two steers recently that are hanging in our cool room at the moment so then you kind of work through how, we, how we're going to use this beast and how we're going to do it justice so what it does is it gives me and, and the team uh, a really great respect um, for the produce that's growing uh, and for the cattle uh, that, that, that's been reared on the property um, and you know with that respect is understanding 
learning and a, and a real uh, desire to do well with the ingredients and ultimately produce something ultimately that's delicious, um, but at the same time uh, sustainable and uh, gr- grown the right way at the right time. Do, do you have any influence on the sort of produce that is grown so you can sort of plan ahead and, and change the menu in that sense? Absolutely, yes. Uh, so Ginny and I will talk about this on a week- weekly basis. We'll see what's coming up. Uh, it's been a funny old year uh, with a lot of rainfall uh, in the northern rivers. Um, so, you know, that's been a challenge for the, for the gardeners um, uh, to the, the winter seeds didn't go into much later. So there's a few things that are kind of popping up in spring uh, this year that we would have expected in winter. Uh, but that's just all part of the fun, you know. And, and um, yeah, we, you know, we, we, we map out what's going to be coming up at, at what time of the season, uh, how we're going to use it. Um, and, and then we just walk from there. What's the sort of hero produce um, that work in that region? And, and is there produce that doesn't grow in that region that you can't sort of access? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a subtropical climate and, you know, I think uh, when it gets hot, it gets hot quickly. Um, so, you know, some summer ingredients, uh, you know, Ginny's got the seeds in now for different zucchini varieties, tomatoes, uh, different capsicums. Um, right now, the spring produce is just coming up through in abundance. Uh, so it's all the green stuff. It's the snow peas, the sugar snaps, the green beans. Uh, we've got garlic season coming up uh, as well. Uh, this year, we're going to uh, we'll take all the garlic scapes, we'll grill and preserve them for a little snack for our guests. Um, we're going to drop uh, half of the harvest of uh, garlic uh, at 60 degrees for black garlic that we'll, we'll, we'll use in the menus and potentially sell in our farm shop. Uh, uh, later on in the year um, and yeah so it's just really kind of get, getting into those lively spring in- ingredients uh, coming out of a, a chilly wet, wet winter Well I want to explore sort of what you're doing there in detail a bit further on but take us back to when you were young um, what, what was food like in your family growing up? Growing up in Scotland, uh, Glasgow's eastern suburbs, um, uh, we definitely grew up with uh, a basic diet that you would expect from a normal family in the 80s and 90s. Uh, my mum cooked, my, my grands both cooked and baked. Um, we were big fans of foods and good eaters. You know, there was no homegrown or exciting ingredients uh, that was around and um, I certainly hadn't uh, considered uh, cooking as a career at that stage um, until one day basically a part-time job as many people do um, falling into the industry. Uh, I was 16, 16 years old. I was in my last year at high school delivering newspapers and I was desperate for a, a part-time job, you know, just to make some cash. Um, funnily enough, I had been, uh, my application was rejected at both McDonald's and the local supermarket. Um, so, you know, my pride was dented early on. And, um, but luckily enough, um, there was a role became available at the local family pub restaurant called the Springcroft, uh, just a few steps down the road from where we lived. And it was basically a chain of pubs. Now, it was no temple of gastronomy by any means. 
but uh, it was still an excellent introduction into the world of hospitality, you know. Uh, that job, um, I, I stayed there for two years. It taught me a lot about kitchen survival skills, you know. Um, you know, I would be running, uh, I would be at school during the day, and then by night I would be running the pass for 300 covers uh, in this, this busy pub, you know. Um, but um, I, I immediately felt at home in the kitchen. Um, I loved the team spirit and camaraderie and all the theatre that was going on. Um, and, you know, it, feel, it felt like you had joined a sports team, you know, and I was no good at sport, uh, but it was nice to be a part of something and, and feel valued uh, in, in that team, you know. Uh, you know, the team, uh, real motley crew of individuals, uh, full of real characters, uh, as many kitchens are, I suppose. Um, but, you know, everyone was accepted and made to feel welcome. You know, late, late night parties and lock-in poker games after the pub and then back to school studies the next morning, you know. Um, so I was definitely hooked on it. Uh, enjoyed the experience and and at that stage uh, I decided I wanted to uh, pursue a career in hospitality um, uh, as a chef. Uh, so um, I signed up for a professional cookery diploma at the Glasgow College of Food Technology, uh, which was a three-year course. Um, so that was exciting. You know, I was traveling into the city every day, um, you know, meeting you know, other chefs and learning about restaurants. And, you know, I was just really ex excited um, by this world um, of, of, of cookery um, and wanted to explore all the opportunities uh, that, 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 that might come through. Um, so, yeah, after I was two, two years at the Springcroft pub um, and then I, um, throughout college, I guess I took on a few different roles, uh, changed jobs each year, um, each job uh, a step up from the last in terms of uh, the the quality of the cuisine um, and continue uh, continue to learn. Um, and then in my last year at college, I landed um, a commie chef job with a brilliant chef uh, called Kenny Copeman at Farfalu Restaurant um, in Glasgow's Merchant City. Um, I mean, up until that point, uh, the kitchens I'd worked in were perhaps not the most professional environments, though, you know, there was lots of pranks and mischief and <laughs> uh, all the carry on, um, you, you know, and then I, I, I turned up at Farfalu and, and the, the team were all Michelin trained, you know, this was, this was serious business, you know, um, the standards were, were much higher than I had been used to. Uh, the chef, Kenny, he was six foot tall. I certainly didn't mince his words. And uh, it felt like a tense environment at times. Um, but, you know, the guys really took me in and were very good to me. Uh, they lent me cookbooks and offered advice regularly. And, yeah, I was definitely just kind of uh, dipping my, my toe into the, the pond of fine dining. Um, and it was very, very, very exciting, you know. Um, he, uh, yeah, I, I specifically remember it, uh, it was the first time I ever saw the French, the French Laundry cookbook and um, I was gobsmacked, <laughs> you know, one afternoon the chef, Kenny, he was in the, the little uh, tiny box office uh, behind the kitchen and he called me in and said, you know, Ali, look, look at this, look at this. And um, of course, it's the French Laundry cookbook. My, my, my jaw just about hit the floor. 
I'd just never seen, uh, you know, cuisine of that quality. And so I was, you know, I was completely inspired. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I, I was with Kenny and, and the team for uh, maybe about a year and a half. Uh, after a busy year, uh, we opened a, I opened a new venue with, with, with Kenny and his chefs. Um, and at the same time, I was juggling a full-time diploma, diploma course at college. Um, and after that, like I was 19 years old, I was pretty tired, you, you know, I was, uh, I never had a day, a day off uh, in my last year at college and, um, you know, I was kind of, you know, working into this uh, uh, intense environment and, um, you know, so I, I was unclear of what my next step was going to be. And then uh, a good opportunity arose um, and myself and a few college mates were accepted into an internship in the USA. Um, so this was uh, at a place called Big Cedar Lodge. Uh, in Missouri. Uh, so it was, it was a beautiful wilderness retreat on Table Rock Lake, uh, basically on the border of Missouri and Arkansas. Um, so, you know, I was 19. I just left home for the first time. Absolute culture shock. And um, we, listen, it was a great experience. We had a lot of fun, probably too much fun. We had one of these uh, staff accommodation houses that they put about eight eight guys in it, and you know, so there was like six, seven bedrooms, and um, it it literally became a rock and roll madhouse. You know, there was daily parties, mischief, like just. Uh, you know, you would wake up and you would be like, "Who's who's who are these guys asleep on the sofa right now?" <laughs> uh, it was. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. I remember um, well, one day I came home, and um, this was about the time I decided to leave. There was uh, there was three tradies sat on my sofa in the living room. I'd never seen them before, and uh, in the middle of the day, they were watching pornography. And I'm just like, hey, hey, you right here, guys? <laughs> uh, so about that time, you know, I was starting to question how comfortable I was living in these this this house. And, um, uh, but listen, it was a great experience. Um, you know, the, all my colleagues were local rednecks, but they were a fantastic welcoming bunch. And, uh, the cuisine was basic, but I, I took a lot of life experience from, from the year that I, I had there. And I had definitely caught the travel bug, um, and, um, was very keen to, uh, uh continue traveling on in the future. Um, however, at that stage, I returned to Scotland and I was definitely ready to get my head down and do some serious work. I was hungry, I guess, to work at a high level uh, and um, basically see if I was capable of working in a Michelin level restaurant. Um, um, all that said, though, I don't think anything could have prepared me for the the job that I that I took on at that stage so I went to work with one of Scotland's top chefs Paul Tamburini uh, at the Cameron House in Loch Lomond uh, so Paul had recently taken over as the head chef of the fine dining restaurant uh, the Georgian Room within the hotel um, so Paul was very well known within the uh, industry a uh, very strong reputation star studded CV uh, he's definitely Paul is definitely the most talented chef I've ever worked with and is without a doubt the, 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 the greatest influence on my career. Um, Paul worked at 100 miles per hour all day, every day. It was relentless. Uh, it was hard to keep up, you know. Uh, many, many didn't uh, in, in the kitchen. 
the standards were exceptionally high. Everything had to be perfect every time. And the 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 quality of the food was sublime. Uh, it would have uh, it would be uh, French in technique uh, with Scottish produce. So you know, think uh, veloutes with roasted langoustines and sautéed foie gras. We did game bird pativiers, assiettes. You know, high, finest quality terrines. Um, souffles, tart de tans for dessert, you know, very, very technical uh, uh, prep um, um, for young cooks to do confidently. Um, but, you know, I was a sponge at the time. I was absorbing it. I was learning. Uh, it was tough, very tough job uh, at that young age. Uh, long days, massive workload, massive workload to, to keep on top of just on a, on, a, on a daily basis, you know. Uh, you had to be very, very focused and definitely to be in that team, get 100% every single day. Um, I was with Paul uh, initially for three years at Cameron House. And over that period of time, I definitely felt I had developed into a strong, disciplined cook. Um, Paul was always an incredible mentor and really pushed me to gain experience in all sections of the kitchen to help develop my skill set. That's something that's really, really important. You know, I think um, in this day and age, you know, we, we're always throwing band-aids uh, around to make things work. And, you know, a chef, or where have you worked before? I was in pastry. Okay, you can do pastry. Or you're a sauce chef, get on the sauce section. Um, Paul really pushed me to get around every section, you know. I didn't really want to learn pastry. I didn't really want to do the larder section. But I was made to do it each section for six months, um, you know. And in, 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 those, uh, in that period of time, I, the experience that I took has stood me in a very good stead um, for the rest of my career. Um, I was definitely immersed in this world of fine dining and uh, while, while we're at Cameron House, um, you know, as tough as it was, there, were, there was a lot of incentives that kept us moving forward and, and, and kept us inspired to be there. Uh, we were all sent on stages uh, down to England to go to the Michelin star restaurants uh, and, and work for a week or two. We flew, to, flew down to London to have lunch at Tom Aiken's restaurant. Um, I competed in Young Chef of the Year competition. And uh, we also hosted uh, the legendary chef Albert Rue on uh, several occasions um, when he visited the hotel as a guest chef. So yeah, there was uh, there was some fantastic uh, uh, opportunities uh, where whilst where, where I was employed there, and um, yeah, so I rose up through the ranks, uh, working with Paul in the Georgian room uh, from a demi chef originally right up into sous chef. Um, and then at the end of the three years, um, Paul, myself, and the other sous chef uh, were um, employed to relaunch a famous hotel in Glasgow called One Devonshire Gardens. And um, it, the restaurant was very, very famous. Andrew Fairley had a restaurant in there at one point. Gordon Ramsay had a restaurant in there at one point. Uh, so there was a very high level of expectation um, uh, when, when Paul and, and our team took, took over. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that was that. That, um, but at that same time, I was definitely planning my escape. You know, I was young. By by that time, I, I was pretty. I guess I guess I was exhausted. Um, it was stressful. It was a stressful job. I was twenty three years old, and you know, I hadn't really done anything with my own life um, over that three year, 
three-year period. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely, um, it was always in my head to go overseas again. Um, I was considering a, lo- a lot of options. Chef Paul wanted me to go to France. Um, I think at that stage I wasn't ready, um, you know, to uh, d- dive into a, a Michelin-starred restaurant in France. Don't speak a word of French. And uh, I had some friends that were booking uh, to do a round-the-world trip um, and ultimately spend a lot of that in Australia. And I, I thought that sounds like a, 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 a good opportunity for me. Uh, that's what I want to do, you know, have a break, um, go and see some of the world. And um, yeah, that was it. Working holiday, Australia. Here, here we come. Were you surprised by the culinary landscape in Australia when you got here? Uh, yeah, listen, to be initially, to be, to be honest, Huck, in the first six months, I was trying to clear my head, you know, um, and really just take a breather. So when I arrived, um, I spent time uh, doing some farm work. Uh, I did agency work in Perth um, and um, had a a fantastic time traveling. And towards the end of my trip, I was definitely missing working in restaurants or working in good restaurants anyway. Um, So basically, at the end of my one year visa, I was going to return, um, um, but I went home to Scotland for eight months and returned to work with Paul um, at One Devonshire Gardens, uh, where he had been for the for the last year. Um, And um, I was desperate to get back to Australia. You know, Um, it it was a good experience returning home. The job was fantastic, very challenging. Again, different style. Paul's cuisine uh, was a little bit more modern. You know, we were were being we just started using sous vide machines and high-tech equipment in the kitchen um so it was good to be continually learning but i wanted to go back uh, to australia um i had my heart set and returning to melbourne um and um so after eight months uh returned to melbourne and um i i scored the job at uh, bistro mm-hmm. Guillaume, which had re- recently opened in the in the crown casino how different was that kitchen compared to the ones you were used to in scotland it was very similar, to be honest, Huck. Um, I, 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 I applied to go and work there because, uh, you know, I went around, you know, read a few guidebooks, read the, walked around the restaurants, read the menus, and I understood French cuisine, and um, I thought, oh, this will be a good job for me to settle in. So it was a great, busy kitchen. It was a great team that Guillaume had when he first opened, and uh, it, was, uh, uh, it, it was an exciting kitchen to be in. It was fast-paced, uh, really, really, really busy. You know, obviously very classical bistro French food. Um, after six months, I, I was just kind of sick of being in the city, you know. I wanted to travel. I wanted to get out there a little bit more. Um, and ultimately... I ended up hitting the road and I ended up uh, um, uh, in the wet Sundays. Um, so I took a job which was only meant to be temp- temporary uh, at Qualia Resort on Hamilton Island. And um, I ended up being there for six and a half years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I took, I took the role on. I, uh, I was uh, the senior sous chef for two years. I was sponsored by Hamilton Island, um, and uh, the resort the resort was about one year old when I got there. Um, so I worked under the previous chef Jane, 
for two years. And then after that, they basically handed me the keys to the place and said, all right, you're the exec chef, off you go. Uh, I was 28 years old. It was a bit scary. It was, <laughs> you know, they, they, um, it's a beautiful resort. Uh, two restaurants, uh, a lot of high-profile events. Uh, the sailing Audi race week every year, uh, guest chef events, media, um, VIPs, you know, um, celebrity guests. And um, it was a big job for a first head chef job and never imagined I would have a role uh, as, as big as the, as the qualia role. Um, by absolutely. Do you have any stories of the events or experiences that you had there? Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, what my very first event in Charge of the Kitchen, uh, we, we ran an event called the Great Barrier Feast. So it would run three times a year. You would invite a guest chef uh, to, to come and cook. He would do a master class. Your kitchen team would do a welcome dinner. And then the guest chef would do a showcase dinner on the first day. Um, so very exciting. You know, it would be 140 guests. They would all be staying in-house. Um, so I was very excited to see who the first guest chef would be that was coming uh, while I was in charge and of course it was my former employer Guillaume Brahimi (laughs) it definitely added uh, an extra element of stress for me uh, with with Guillaume coming oh oh my god are you guys kidding like come on start start, start me off with someone I don't know you know Um, but it was great Guillaume was fantastic and he's been very supportive of my career Uh, since then and we were lucky to host him a, a number of times at um, at Qualia, uh, we spent a lot of time in Audi Race Week with the, the Vudemont team and um, and and a number of others o- o- over the years uh, uh, that, that 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 came. Um, we did a beautiful dinner. Um, we each did two dishes each with myself, Peter Gilmore, and Dan Hunter. And they're just a real career high, you know, to work with these guys that are at the absolute top of their games and absolute leaders uh, of gastronomy in Australia and globally, um, you know, to welcome them into our kitchen and get to cook with them and do a dish as well. You know, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, a, 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 amazing experience, you know. Um, you know, like it was a, it was a big job. I was absolutely obsessed uh, with getting everything right. I was an, I was a workaholic. Um, I was I worked seven days all day every day, pretty much for a period of time. Um, it was looking back, it was completely unnecessary. You know, there were there's ways I could have managed it better. Um, but I was absolutely. Uh, obsessed and driven um, was driving this place forward and building a great team and cooking exceptional cuisine and um, you know my I would say my my management style would have been would have been very poor uh, definitely a adopted traits of former employers um, you know and spitting the dummy there was a few tantrums and um, and uh, you know but you, you, you learn and you grow you grow from these experiences. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have found uh, a spot in, in, in my life now where I'm very relaxed and um, I've found great balance with my work life. I thought I could never do it as a chef, to be honest. I thought, oh, this is me until I'm 60 years old. I'm going to be doing 70 hours a week. That's it. Or I'm not going to, I'm not going to be happy, you know. 
working at Frida's has um, it's changed a lot. At the same time, just before I started at Frida's, we um, had a child, uh, my partner Moira and myself. Um, we had a, a, a daughter who's about to turn two. Um, so, you know, obviously you, you grow up a lot and you change a lot. Um, I've managed to build a, a, a much healthier lifestyle um, in terms of, of, of what, what, what I eat, the way I live my life um, and my stress levels and, and, and how I deal with, you know, people at work, how I deal with situations. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely changed. Uh, it's changed my life. You know, I, I feel uh, fresh. I feel happy. I feel enthused. I want to be at work. I'm very happy to uh, to be returning to work after the weekends i'm always excited about what's going on and that's how you should feel you know it shouldn't you shouldn't be terrified to go to work you shouldn't be uh stressed uh to the eyeballs doing your admin on your days off uh you know you you, you need to you need to put your foot down and find a better way at some stage in in your life or it will just consume you you know um so I'm super happy that um, you know I've uh, I've recently made these changes in my life, um, and you know more than anything I'm I'm, I'm coming up on forty just now, Huck, and uh, it's fitness. You know, to to be on your feet every day, you need to be physically fit and mentally fit um, to to be performing at a, a high level in this industry. Um, you know, so it's, you know, a day off well spent, um, you know, eating some healthy foods and spending time with the family, sleeping well, uh, is absolutely, uh, changed, changed my outlook and life and, and, and the way I'm feeling and the way I approach, uh, my, 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 my work and the, the people around me, you know, and you can see with that, we have a very small team at Frida's, but, um, I just try and give my team opportunities, I try and give them a voice I try and make them feel involved and um, it's important and if you plant those seeds um, then they'll grow um, people will uh, surprise you and you know bring ideas to the table um, and previously I don't think the industry was like that you know when I was a sous chef I never put a dish on the menu I was never my opinion was never never um, asked in terms of what we should be uh, producing. Um, and one day you wake up and you're a head chef and you're like, oh God, how, you know, we, we, how, how are we going to do this? You know? Um, so giving, giving the, your staff the tools to tap into the, the, the creative side, I think is extremely important um, in order for them to move forward and have a successful career themselves. You've lived in the Byron Bay region for quite a bit of time now, and you've uh, had roles with Harvest um, and and obviously the role now. What, what do you love about that region, and what keeps you there? Um, working in the Northern Rivers is is super super special. There's a I've been here for five years now. And there is just a great little foodie community that's here um, between the, the farmers, the producers, the restaurants. There's a great little hub of fantastic restaurants that, um, you know, didn't exist uh, maybe five to ten years ago in this region. Um, so it's good. It's definitely we're attracting uh top professionals to come to this region, which is great. Um, I think it helps everyone up their game when there's a bit more competition around and um, it, it definitely uh, attracts uh, top quality staff uh, to, to move out to this region as well. Um, it is, um, it's just fantastic driving, tra- traveling around the hinterland, dropping in to see a farmer, 
And just be able to have FaceTime with them is super important um, for our, um, uh, our future menus and our, and our, and our creativity um, and just under general understanding of food systems and how it grows and why it grows. And, um, you know, if something's out of season, you hear the farmer's story. And, you know, they've had farmers in this region have had numerous struggles between uh, the pandemic, uh, the the fires, the floods recent, uh, recently this year, and um, you know a, a lot of rainfall. Um, so you know it's super important that uh, as as um, industry professionals, we're supporting these guys. Um, we're using the ingredients that that they, that they can grow, and we're trying to just promote them as much as possible. You mentioned a bit earlier that your um, cooking and food has changed quite a lot over the years and, and the menu sort of speaks of the seasons and a sense of time and, and place with the access that you have. Do you, do you have a dish or two that you can tell us about that sort of speaks of where you're at at the moment? Yes, absolutely. Um, so basically... Uh, like I said, we're changing our menu every six weeks at the moment, um, and we've just um, started to, to, to tap into the spring ingredients that are coming through. Uh, we're doing a delicious, uh, a delicious dish this week uh, going on the menu. It's basically a smoked fish broth. It's a take on a traditional Scottish soup called Cullen Skink. Uh, it's a horrible name, Cullen Skink, so that's not going on the menu. And it's a really rustic uh, soup. It's basically smoked haddock and potato cooked with a saffron and fish stock. So we're going to do a kind of tidy, more refined version of that. Um, uh, so, so all the, the, the flavour, all these um, uh, amazing characteristics are coming through in the broth. And then we just drop in uh, some green peas, snow peas, some sugar snaps, uh, and just a couple of herbs from the, gar- from the garden. Uh, it's a really honest dish, um, but absolutely full in flavour. Um, and then we're currently, we're, we're, bra- we're right at this moment, we're braising the shins um, from our two steers, uh, that we've had hanging in the fridge for a couple of weeks. So um, we're basically going to be um, pressing them down and slowly cooked for 14 hours. And then they're going to be served with just some a fantastic parsley herb sauce um, and just some wonderful sides for our, for our main course. Um, so it's um, it's 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 um, really fantastic working with the cattle that's coming off uh, the property as well. It's really really given us a, an understanding of, of of whole beast butchery. Um, I was relatively experienced with pigs and lambs, but when you come to doing a, a whole cow, it's just a completely different kettle of fish, you know. Um, so it's been good, and that's something that's really special that we've been able to train our chefs um, on whole beast butchery and just getting them to understand and respect what we're what we're doing with that with that uh, animal um, we also have a huge mandarin tree uh, that's about 100 years old and on frida's uh, when it comes to harvesting the mandarins, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of mandarins. Um, so what we've done is uh, over the last two years, we've done a, a mandarin dessert using uh, all parts of the mandarin. So just a, a, a little zero waste number. So the, our, our last menu consisted of a mandarin trifle, which I absolutely loved. Uh, we, we, we use the juice to prepare a, a mandarin champagne jelly. We use the skin to produce a, an alcoholic stock that we would so, soak the sponge in. Uh, and then also a, a marmalade that would be in the bottom of the dish. Um, so, yeah, we're just trying to use, uh, look at these ingredients and just see how we can maximize them, you know. You came to Australia for a bit of a break, but you've made the most incredible impact on the dining landscape since you arrived. 
What do you love about what you do? I love um, this profession um, for a number of reasons, but I think it's one that's just um, very honest. Um, and, and what I mean by that is um, when you come to work in hospitality, it's hands on and you need to perform, you know, and there's, 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 no, there's no place to hide. Uh, individuals that come to work in the kitchen, uh, you can tell right away if they're the right individual um, uh, to, to come and join your team. Um, and, you know, that I get the greatest joy now from building a good team and training staff um, because with, with the current skill shortages that, that, that we're experiencing, it's the most important thing. Um, young individuals, young and, and middle-aged guys that are coming uh, and cooking with us at Frida's, um, you know, we're trying to give them uh, the, some freedom um, and, and listen to their ideas and bring them on board um, so that they can contribute to, to what we're coming up with um, but continue to, to um, um, uh, uh, develop, develop themselves. Um, I mean, ultimately, I just, I just love cooking, you know. It's like people ask me what I do in my days off. I cook. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's pretty much my only hobby, you know. <laughs> you know? And, um, it's, um, I, and, and, you know, I, I, I honestly believe over the last couple of years, I have become a much better cook in general through cooking at home, you know. You, now, you ask, ask any chef, and, you know, there's reasons behind this, but there's many chefs that don't cook at home very often at all, you know, or it might be once every couple of weeks and it might just be, you know, something basic. It's a great way to challenge yourself and really, really learn, you know, and um, it's so much different from 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 cooking uh, professionally in the kitchen because, you know, you have guys to bounce off of, you have equipment, you have, um, uh, you know, in, in ingredients. Um, but when you're cooking for yourself and your family at home, um, it definitely has given me a lot of uh, uh, given me a lot of understanding, um, you know, about how people want to eat, um, and you know, um, uh, taking a, a healthier approach uh, um, uh, to preparing their cuisine. You know, just you, you using minimal fats. Um, you know, um, our, our, our dishes are, are vegetable, vegetable based where where, where possible um, from what we've grown, and then it's maybe the addition of some uh, beef fat that, that, that can just uh, accentuate the dish um, or some uh, a piece of grilled local seafood. Um, but yeah, just keeping it light, light and healthy um, uh, approach, I think, is good. So, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely taught myself a lot with, with the old home cookery game. Lots of fun. <laughs> well, Ali, it's been amazing catching up with you. I know you've got many more stories, so I'd love to catch up again. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks so much, Huck. Really appreciate your time. Great to chat. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.